There's a power button over here. <laughs> it's good to hit you with the reality right away because what we're going to talk about in the very beginning of our sermon is an example of exactly this type of thing happening, something so simple that just shouldn't happen. Has it ever happened to you when you've been at home and you're minding your own business, having a perfectly splendid time, just sitting in your couch or your easy chair, whatever it is, and all of a sudden something occurs to you and very much on purpose, you stand up and you go to another room in your house only to walk through the door into that other space in your house, determined to be in there for something, only to get there and completely forget what brought you into the room in the first place. Has this ever happened to you? It has. Okay, good. You ever forget to turn the clicker on, on your <laughs> remote? But you're in there, in the room, not understanding at all why you're there. And it's kind of disconcerting, isn't it? What, what am I doing here? I, I know that I came here for Something, but I have absolutely no idea what it is, and you can't remember. It doesn't feel good. When that kind of stuff happens on accident, it's not very comfortable at all. But it's even more disconcerting. It's even more uncomfortable when, for whatever has been going on in life, when whatever's going on in life right now forces you to sit there and ask that question very much on purpose, very deliberately. What am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? How do I find value? How do I give myself a, a sense of fullness that at least I'm told that I'm supposed to be having in my life? And when you don't know, it feels really uncomfortable. I feel lost. I feel a little bit empty. And so people have for since like ever set out to answer those questions about life, what it's all about, what we're supposed to be doing here from the very beginning to Job to Plato to Socrates to whoever your favorite modern philosophers or songwriters or whoever are. And you might factor yourself into that list also. Sisters and brothers, we have a tremendous advantage when it comes to finding life's answers. Because we've got God's word where God supplies us with more meaning and more fullness than our human minds are able to understand or know or appreciate. And God does that in remarkably simple terms in Scripture. Listen to this. This is the first verse of our sermon lesson for today. Paul says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And right there, in like a dozen words, is all the answer you need. You have, by God's grace, 
through no conscious decision or effort or choosing of your own, only by his power at work in your heart through the word, received Christ Jesus as your Lord, the one that God chose because he knew he would be perfect at saving you. You now recognize by the Spirit's power that yes, he's taken my sins away. And that knowledge which doesn't take that long to say, but is so profound because it gives you the longest life of all time in eternal heaven. That knowledge frees you from the rat race and the crippling fear that a lot of those major existential questions of life riddle people with. You're liberated from that. You're free. So what do you do now? You, you go. You go forward. You walk. You, you live. You do whatever it is, and you do it with Christ. And you do it in Christ, and you walk, and you go, and you interact with this person, with that person, in such a way that they see Christ in you. What part of your life is left out of this instruction from the Apostle Paul? Just live your lives in him. Paul paints with about as broad of a brush as there could possibly be here. In the knowledge of Jesus that you have, you're to live, you're to remain, you're rooted there. And roots are, roots are pretty tough. They turn rock to dust after a while. They have remarkable grip. And that grip is your faith, and it's strong, not because you woke up on January 1st, 2023, and said, by golly, this year I'm going to have a much stronger faith. You're rooted and you're built up because of the power and the determination and the love of the God who gave you your faith in the first place. And just like Roots, and plants grow, so do you. But that is not always an observable process, is it? Got to be patient. Got to play long game. Think about yourself today, who you are, how you are. And now think about yourself from 20 years ago. Are you the same? No. You've grown. Not just older a little bit, but by God's grace, you've grown in the Lord. You've been made more like Jesus by what you're doing here. Hearing the word, reading it, receiving the supper as you will in a few minutes. By that knowledge in which you're rooted, you know you're made God's own child beyond any shadow of a doubt. And the thing that puts those shadows of doubt out of your mind is the resurrection. 
Death's fangs have been completely ripped out by Jesus, and the resurrection then goes on to put a guarantee on the delight that God takes in you as his own child, exactly as he made you. It puts a guarantee on the full and the free forgiveness that God so patiently and so repeatedly, as often as we need to be forgiven, which is just like a lot that God gives God repeatedly because of the resurrection gives you the very real and very living hope that you will live in never diminishing glory for forever. Where's all that goodness found? Only in Christ. And it's so good, and when you think about it every once in a while, it just feels like it washes over you as though you'd never heard it before. And in those moments, you're struck to the heart with this desire, this awareness that is there any other way to be in my life, just how I live, than just dripping with thanksgiving and just exuding that to anybody I see, anybody I interact with. I don't think there's another way to live as God's people of joy who know that we're saved and know that we have heaven to look forward to. It's found only in Christ. That's what Jesus gives. Forgiveness, love, peace, hope for heaven. Jesus gives that because that's exactly who Jesus is so much better than anyone or anything else or any other idea or system of thought which humans generate and create to give ourselves some sort of sense of fullness or purpose or direction. Christ is so much better. And that's super obvious when we're sitting here in church and your pastor is telling you to just say, yes, Jesus is better. It's obvious. So it almost seems like it's faith insulting for Paul to give us the warning that he does here in these words today. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Even though the bajillion and one schools of philosophy that exist in this world ultimately boil down to systems of thought that are completely humanistic in nature and then go on to appeal to the lowest common denominators in people of fear, or greed, or pleasure-seeking, or self-elevation. And even though in so many places and so regularly, they blatantly contradict God's word and they're just absolutely wrong and not scriptural at all, they're very appealing to us. And they're blasting in our ears all the time. We live in a, a time where we're constantly receiving stimuli or input. We're always hearing something. We're always reading something. We're always watching something. Unless you're good about just turning everything off and having some peace and quiet, you are being bombarded nonstop by nonsense. So what do you do? You ask yourself constantly, does this contradict the word and the will of my God and Lord? Does this 
build me up in God's grace? Does it spur me on to live and to share that grace with other people? Can I just learn something useful from this? And if the answers to those questions checks out, fabulous, wonderful, great, learn with that, go with it, use it. But if not, be wary of those voices, those things that you hear, the things that you read and watch. Because quite unlike your Lord Jesus, those other voices do not have the eternal interest of your eternal soul front and center in their mind. And the damage they do is pernicious, done long before you're even aware that it has been done. No comparison to be made to Christ. Christ is good. A lot of garbage in the world that's not. And still people seek it out. Why? And by people, I just, I don't mean people out there in the world. Christians, us, me, from time to time. Why do we look for it? Because every so often, our ears get a little bit itchy. And we want to hear what we want to hear and not what God wants us to hear. Sometimes we want to find a justification for the way we've been thinking about that guy or that lady or this group of people that we never even met before. Sometimes we want to look for validation for the things that we've been doing that are very clearly at variance with God's will. And I guarantee you that if you look for just a little bit, you will find someone or some place to back you up and make you feel good about what God doesn't want you to feel good about. Brothers and sisters, let's not listen to such junk anymore. Let's run away from that. Run to our Lord, constantly mindful of the fact that all of the goodness that Jesus gives us is only found exactly there in him. And how can that be? Because this is who Jesus is. This verse is the climax, the zenith of the book of Colossians. This is your Lord. For all the fullness of God's being dwells bodily in Christ. How? I don't know. And if you can explain that, please come on up here and let everybody know this is beyond our understanding. It's impossible for us to grasp. And yet it's absolutely and totally true that all the fullness of the Lord God who just decided in his good and gracious will that light should be a thing spoke and there it was that the Lord God who measured out the depths of the world and chiseled out the mountains, who made every star and knows each one of them by name, who knows what every last ant is up to at the moment, is fully and completely contained in Christ in bodily form. God became a man. All of God did that. God gave you his very self in sending his son into the world to find you and to save you. What could fill your heart more than that? What can give your life deeper and truer meaning than that? Nothing can. 
So like a little kid, listen to your Lord Christ who pulled out all the stops, taking on true humanity. And why? I don't think that was exactly on the top of Jesus' to-do list to leave the mansions and the glory of heaven to set aside the bulk of his power and just to become one of us to live under the very same laws that he wrote and expects us to do, that he came to this world to obey perfectly. Why would he do that? So that at the end of a life of absolutely perfect love, and perfect obedience, he could die, be slaughtered and sacrificed as the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, and that it would count for everybody because he's infinite God and all sufficient. All the fullness of God, every aspect and quality of the divine nature is found in Jesus. So, Don't deify things that aren't. Which seems almost like a thing that doesn't need to be said. And maybe the reaction to such an instruction like that is, well, of course, pastor, I'm not gonna go around worshiping things that aren't the Lord Jesus. I know what scripture tells me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I know that pretty well. And I have from the time that I was a little kid. Well, that's easy to say, certainly, isn't it? In actuality, it's a whole lot more difficult to do. We just supplant Christ for all sorts of other things so often without even realizing it, even though we would never come right out and say that, yes, I'm choosing to find fulfillment for my life. I'm choosing to find true value or true direction or some sense of self-actualization in anything other than Christ. We wouldn't admit that, but we just so often in attitude, in action, and even in reaction, we just do. How many times wasn't something as ultimately trivial as sports, seemingly more important to us than the Lord Christ. And I got pretty worked up about a football game last night that was going on in the middle of the church. I love sports, but I certainly would love to see God's people on Monday morning talking about what they heard in Bible study in their personal devotion with the same level of gusto and enthusiasm that they did when they're recounting the cool interception or whatever it was the day before. I would love it if people trained. I would love it if I trained as hard for the work that God has given us to do by virtue of our faith of going into the world and sharing our faith with people as hard as I trained for sports. One's a game. One's not. How many times haven't we listened to the voices of people spewing empty deceit instead of our Lord Christ, even if and when they directly contradict him? No more of that nonsense. Run from that. Be like Joseph who got out of Dodge and was thrown in jail for it. Run away. Plug your ears. Change the channel. Run to Christ who fully saves you and who fills you with his wisdom and his perfect righteousness.
He withheld nothing to save you. Not his body, because it was beaten and broken. Not his life, because he gave it up. Not even his connection with the Father, because that was severed. He was forsaken, because that's the price of our sins, so that now he can give you his whole kingdom with the comfort of knowing that the one in whom the universe exists and by whom the world is sustained, his very self has made your heart his home, filling you with his presence, his peace, his love, to the degree that your very life is now concealed with God in Christ. Jesus says in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. That complete goodness is only found in Christ who, because he poured out his life to death and was counted as a transgressor only to take it up again for our salvation is given the name that is above every name and the authority that's above every authority. All the goodness of God that we've been talking about today is yours because Jesus is the one giving it to you. And how? We still haven't answered that question yet, but, but Paul does. And he talks about something that's so incredibly simple that it's an affront to our, our human logic. And many Bible-believing Christians around the world don't even give this thing the credence it deserves because it's so easy and so simple. Paul says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. By your Lord Jesus, your sinful nature has been cut away from you. By your Lord Jesus, in those simple but profoundly excellent waters of baptism, your sinful nature has been drowned and absolutely destroyed. And what came up, what remains now, who you are, how God sees you, is somebody who's always new, always pure, someone who has his spirit dwelling in them and able to live and offer your very selves as a living sacrifice in ceaseless worship to the Lord. In sin, you were dead. By baptism, you're forgiven. You're alive. Only Christ gives this. No one else, no guru, no philosopher, no so-called authority on anything is going to give you full eternal life through full and free forgiveness. And here's a fuller picture of what that looks like. And as I read this verse, let your imagination go to the absolute most vivid mode that it absolutely can. Think about this picture. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Brothers and sisters, there are a whole lot of Lutherans in here this morning, far more than I am used to preaching to. And I got to tell you, it's a pretty good deal. I am happy to be here sharing God's word with you this morning from a pulpit that is considerably higher than I am used to being in. And as Lutherans from Kentucky, 
down to Florida, up to Wisconsin, and everywhere in between. When late October rolls around, we begin to pride ourselves, doubly so in our Lutheran heritage, as we think about Martin Luther wandering over to the Castle Church one sunny afternoon and nailing about 100 sentences to that door. It's a pretty good deal. Started a pretty good thing for us. But as sinful people, let's pride ourselves immeasurably more so that Christ has nailed the written record of our guilt to his cross and obliterated it. In doing so, he defeated sin, disarmed it, because he paid for all of it got rid of it. And at the very same time, he destroyed the devil, not only crushing his head by accomplishing what the devil never wanted him to, our salvation, but also by paying for and erasing the thing that the devil uses to point at you and say, you did that. You sinned. You couldn't possibly be God's child. So now when the devil accuses you, he accuses you of nothing and is proved to be an absolute liar. Christ disarmed death when he nailed your guilt to the cross. Because Jesus knew with his divine knowledge exactly when it was done, when the payment for your sin was finished. So he knew when the time was right to cause his spirit to leave his body and commit it into the hands of his father, knowing that you would with him dwell in his father's house for all time. What are you doing here? I don't imagine that you stood up from your chair this morning after having eaten breakfast and had a sip of coffee and walked into the living room only to just completely space out and, hey, here you are at church. I don't think that happened. Why are you here? What is your life for? What are you supposed to be doing? Rejoicing. Just constantly all the time. That is exactly what God made you to do. But more specifically, you can rejoice to say, along with Paul, who wrote these words from Philippians and countless other forgiven sinners, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You can make that confident confession boldly and gladly. Only in Christ in whom dwells all the fullness of God. Amen. Please stand. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. We hope that God's word has strengthened your faith. To help us know more about the reach of our efforts here at Manav, we hope that you'll like and subscribe to our YouTube and Facebook pages, and that you also sign our online friendship register to let us know that you're listening. Today. God bless and keep you.